I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of Packs Which She Said Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Perry Goldstein, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Maggie Loney. And today, we're doing a mailbag. Um, a bunch of you submitted some questions to us about the Packers, and we're just going to run through them, answer them, have a nice little conversation about the Packers in the upcoming season, uh, and hopefully give you some answers that you find fitting and acceptable. (laughs) So um, we're going to start off with the first question, which was with the Packers not drafting a wide receiver, which current wide receiver takes a big leap this next year? And a few that this um, person listed was MVS, EQ, Lazard, or Kumaro. So Maggie, what do you think about this? I feel like, um, I guess I'm thinking of it from this is probably cheating, but from 2019 to 2020, and because EQ didn't get to play in 2019, I think that his input or output, I guess, actually on the field will be significant compared to, you know, like I think Lazard will still see an abundance of snaps. I still think he goes into the season wide receiver two or three, um, but I don't think that he'll be taking like an astronomical amount more of snaps because of Devin Funches. I think that we've seen, kind of what we'll see from Kumaro and MVS. And I do think that guys like uh, Marquez will be able to take another leap. But I think as far as like current production, EQ is somebody to be really excited about. And obviously you are still the conductor of the EQ hype train. So I'm sure you'll have a similar response. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think three of the four guys listed um, have a potential to make a big leap this season. I agree with you. I think we know what we get out of Kumaro. Um, He's a solid depth guy. He makes plays when he's on the field. But um, I actually think Lazard is poised to have the biggest breakout 
this season. Um, he carved out a pretty successful role in LaFleur's plan last season. I think that'll only grow. Um, you know, he had 35 receptions on 52 targets, 477 yards and three touchdowns. And that only started um, in October. So he only started making meaningful contributions in mid-October. So I actually kind of expect those numbers to go up when he's starting in the lineup in week one. Um, but again, you know, there's serious competition in the wide receiver room for that number two spot. I think he has a little bit of a leg up on everyone else because he had so much production. But I do agree with you that with him and Funchess, they're fairly similar receivers. So it'll be interesting to see how they integrate Funchess that may take snaps away from Lazard. Um, but Lazard has that institutional knowledge. So um, I'm kind of curious to see what what those two look like. But I think he has just like the biggest window to become that breakout star because he already has the trust of Rodgers. He's been in the game plan um, a good amount. So um, I don't know. I am still excited about Lazard, but you, I mean, you know that my favorite candidate to break out is EQ. Like his rookie season saw so much promise and I love his skill set compared to the other receivers. So he's got that shiftiness to play in the slot, but at six, five, that's a super matchup nightmare for slot corners. And so I think that just like really gives him a leg up bringing something different to the table. Um, and I don't know, his 2018 flashes were, their cause to be excited. Of course, coming off a season ending ankle injury, I don't think is going to be easy, but I follow him on social and he's been working out like crazy in quarantine. Mm. So really excited to see what he does in camp. And then, you know, of course, you know, I think MVS in year three is it's time. Either he's going to show that he has what it takes to be part of his offense or he doesn't. Um, you know, Rogers even mentioned him in his presser this week. Like, of course they want, things to click and they see him being part, you know, being that deep threat. But I think it's kind of a make or break year for him. Yeah. And the thing that I think I'm most looking forward to, whether it's training camp, preseason, um, whatever glimpses of football we get, whether we're actually in the stands for those glimpses or not, is just whether or not Aaron Rodgers and Devin Funches can start on the same page. Because I know that Aaron Rodgers takes a while to get acclimated with his young receivers. He's got some experience with EQ, MVS, Lazard, Kumaro already. But if you remember his season with like a Jared Cook, it took him a while to get on the same page with Jared Cook. And I think it's easier with a guy like Mercedes Lewis because he's a vet and Jimmy Graham is a vet. And Devin Funches, yes, is, you know, he's been around the league and he's been in an NFL offense. But I do think that that is probably, to me, what can make or break this wide receiving core is if he can come in and immediately make an impact on the field. Because if he's coming in as like your wide receiver four or five, and he's barely seeing the field, it might take a while for him to get acclimated in the offense and gain Rogers trust. And then you really need guys like EQ and Lazard to make a more dramatic impact because you don't have that free agent that you thought you did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say what Funches is going to bring because we also don't have a recent season to look back on because he's coming off an injury. So it's really just um, a bit of a wild card. Um, and, you know, he has all the traits to be a wide receiver that will fit well in this offense. But at the same time, like, I feel like we're moving towards a little bit more of a run first power run offense and that will be less wide receivers on the field in plays in general so less opportunities for wide receivers to break out so um yeah it'll just it'll just be interesting to see who um is given the majority of snaps obviously after Devonte adams because he's always number one <laughs> number one in our hearts and on the field 
Um, next, we have a question from Steven. He asked, what's going to be your expectation for fan experience during this NFL season? In Green Bay, we know it's all about fan engagement, from kids on bikes to family night and tailgating. How does the current situation affect that for the season? Yeah, it's hard. Right now, it's really hard to imagine any of any of those things taking place. Um, I think it's important for us as fans, as well as NFL personnel, to expect this upcoming season's not going to be normal. Um, there may be no traditions like family night and bike rides. There may not even be games that we can attend. Um, and it, but I just think that what's most important is that everyone is safe and does not get sick, and that's first and foremost. And if they're able to play in some capacity, whether it's fanless games or what have you, like I think everyone should just appreciate that I will at least appreciate that I have football to watch on my television and not ask for any more. Um, I think this pandemic has just kind of taught me that not to take any of that for granted and appreciate like any morsel of normalcy that I'm given. Um, and if that just means that we all have to watch at home on our couches and there's no fans in the stadium, I think it'll just make people very excited. I also see, you know, it being really big for broadcasters. I think, you know, we saw the draft was the most watched draft in NFL history. Like games might be the most watched games in NFL history because fans can't go and they're just itching. So I know it's really important in Green Bay, but I also think we have to remember that if those things are omitted because of the virus and they're omitted, but we still get to watch a game, like that's the most important. Yeah. And as somebody that lives in Wisconsin, and I'm sure a lot of listeners live in Wisconsin, you know, Brown County is one of the heaviest hit areas right now in our state, as far as the numbers are concerned. Um, so yes, as much as, you know, we rely on things like kids on bikes and family night and things just for the economy of Green Bay alone. Like I know that that's going to be pretty devastating to such a small market franchise. I do think that this is a big opportunity for social media I think, you know, the video element and the way that, you know, fans can kind of see a different side of the game. When Matt LaFleur came on as head coach and we started getting those um, locker room glimpses after wins, you know, all those things were so new. And we all, at least I thought, we all kind of relished those because they were glimpses into, you know, the Packers have such a rich history and depth there that sometimes it feels so traditional that they don't really break that mold very often so getting some of those like social media looks or maybe the way that whether they can go behind the scenes like here's what a weight room looks like I think that there's a real opportunity you mentioned the draft and that being the most watched to kind of create some of those virtual moments for fans even if we can't have those moments in person yeah I know we'll all miss tailgating and like the community aspect that football brings but at the same time like you mentioned social media can also do that it's not the same it won't fill the void completely but it can also bring us together if we let it um it's it's tough for me though because obviously I'm coming from a place that's like basically the epicenter of the epidemic like I can't I live in New York City I can't I cannot imagine myself and thousands of other people like heading over to MetLife Stadium you know for a game so it's just uh it's, but I know also that some states are saying that they're going to open up soon first, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's <laughs> hard to imagine, but some are going to open up soon to, to let players into practice, et cetera. And it's, it's just a wait and see. 
I'm with you. But now we get to, well, I don't know if this is like super happy. I was going to say we can take it in a better direction, but, uh, Here's the next one. At the time of the draft, commentators essentially write off day three picks, saying day two picks rarely work out and it's a crapshoot. Quote, is it realistic or more desperation to hope that Kingsley Kiki will be the missing piece so desperately needed on the interior of the defensive line? I love this question because I love talking about Kingsley Kiki and the defensive (laughs) line. I mean, I feel like we've touched on this so much and like, it's definitely realistic to make that assumption. Uh, You don't just draft players and not expect or hope that they're going to make a contribution to your team. Um, Also in the limited steps we saw of him last season, he showed a lot of promise. Um, I think if he gets more of an opportunity, he could really pleasantly surprise everyone, not to mention the coaches and the players have all expressed um, excitement and what he can bring to the table. So he's kind of one of my breakout candidates, honestly, this upcoming season. Uh, So not desperation or hope or convenience. I think it's very realistic to say that he will um, make a more meaningful contribution on the defensive line. Yeah. I think he finds himself having one of the best opportunities on the team because, you know, the Packers are still expecting a lot out of third round pick Montrevious Adams. They did sign Trayvon Hester in free agency, Um, But they didn't really go out and get a splash guy. Like, you know, if Snacks Harrison was coming to Green Bay, that he'd be eating up. That's a really good pun. He'd be (laughs) eating up a lot of those snaps on the defensive line opposite Kenny Clark. You know, guys like Dean Lowry are going to get their playing time. But behind Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark, there is a lot of unknown right now. And Kingsley Kiki will have a huge opportunity. And I get the day three draft pick thing being a concern, but you always find guys that contribute like Martinez is a fourth rounder contributed, you know, played almost every down for the Packers during his career. Um, and then we sign Kamal Martin as a fifth rounder, hoping that he can take a leap and in year one and be a guy that could potentially be a starter in some packages opposite Christian Kirksey. So it's really difficult to assign value based on draft selection, but I know that more often than not, that is kind of the case and how it works you know, like Oren Burke's being valued higher than Ty Summers given the third and seventh round draft status. But yeah, I think Kiki to me definitely has one of the best opportunities on the team to really make a significant jump. And I don't think that's just because we're fans of him. I think that he mm-hmm. plays at a position that is, you know, really in need of some help. And I think that he's proven, like you said, in the limited snaps, that there's a lot of potential there if he gets to work into the rotation. Yeah, I just like judging based off of where a guy is picked. I think there's a lot of factors that go into it um, and a lot of things that aren't looked at. And it takes, you know, our our best wide receiver and arguably one of the best wide receivers in Packer history was taken in the seventh round. So it's just, you know, you see guys that maybe go to smaller schools or maybe aren't as looked at. Maybe they coming out to the draft with an injury and it makes them fall. Like you just never know. So um, I definitely don't look at Kingsley. He can say, Oh, he's taken day three. You know, he's less likely to make any kind of meaningful contribution because of that. Um, I kind of look at his production on the field and also, like you said, the opportunity that he has, um, which is big. I know we know we feel strongly that Dean Lowry is a great depth guy, but not your really solid kind of rock next to Kenny Clark. And I think Kingsley can get into that rotation and do some things. So next question that I definitely want to talk about is what statistical output 
would you consider to be quote successful for AJ Dillon this upcoming season? Yeah, I really like this question because I love AJ Dillon, but the problem is that I also love Jamal Williams and I love Aaron Jones. And this to me is such an exciting trio for the Packers because they all do different things and they all bring versatility to the offense. I don't know if any of our listeners are readers of the insider inbox from Packers.com, but they've been trying to think of a nickname for the three, like thunder, lightning, hail, thunder, lightning, heavy rain. So it's, it's been fun to kind of think about the different dynamic that all the backs have, but Jamal Williams in 2019 only played 35% of snaps, and that was a decrease from 2018. Aaron Jones was hurt, but he played almost 50% of snaps in 2018. So I think statistical output, I can see A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams really splitting a bulk of those remaining snaps, whether they each take 20% of the 40%. I think Jamal will still play a little bit more, but I think as we get into the winter months and the cold, Jamal and A.J. are really going to shine you know, given their versatility as the kind of power backs. And I think Jamal will carve out a role for himself as a pass catching back. I think that now the kind of bruiser role maybe will shift to AJ, but I could see him getting a couple touchdowns in 2020. I don't think it'll be like an Eddie Lacy rookie season or anything because we still do have Aaron Jones and know what he's capable of. And I think that Aaron Jones is still the guy. I don't think this changes anything, but Mm-hmm. I do think that there's a lot to be excited about with that trio. I agree. I think a little bit his role, unfortunately, is contingent upon the offseason and the training camp. Like, he's a rookie. Like, he needs time to learn the offense, right? And so if he has that ability um, and the time, um, then I agree. I think he'll probably take some snaps from Jamal, like AJ See, I call Aaron Jones AJ, and now we have an actual AJ, and I can't do that. So Aaron Jones is obviously uh, running back one. I actually think that he's going to see more snaps at like kind of a hybrid wide receiver role. Like when you throw him, when you Aaron Rodgers, oh my God, everyone has the same name now on When Rodgers was throwing him the ball last season, he was really successful at it. So um, I think if if the three of them are going to see snaps, like you said, Jamal is going to be a bit of a cat catch passing back. And so is Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon will be that bruiser, but I don't want to put a, he has to have X number of yards or X number of touches for him to be successful. Like I don't want to set unrealistic expectations for a rookie that might have a difficult or unusual off season. Um, I want to see how Matt LaFleur uses him, but if he sees the field like 15 to 20% of snaps, like, and is contributing alongside the already great tandem that we have, um, that's a success to me. Yeah. And I think that that really segues into another good question that we got that said, could the offense's new run focus provide benefits to a defense that struggled against the run? So your thoughts, because I love that question. I this think it's was great. such an interesting question. It like, I see it. Okay. So I think if our new kind of like run scheme is successful, I see it helping the defense in two ways. One is running the ball takes time off the clock. And so the longer the offense is on the field and we're running the ball successfully, the less time the defense is to preserve their energy and strength. And that's just like overall, but also if the defense 
is going up against a very run heavy offense in practice. That's just additional reps against what they might be seeing on the field against their opponents on game day. Um, and I think that's just like good training for them. Yeah. I think the scout team offense defense dynamic is really interesting, but I kind of thought of it the same way that you did um, initially where, Yes, you know, the Packers really struggled to convert on third down, to sustain drives. And even though the defense looked really good, you know, in, in like maybe the first half of games, they started to get really gassed at the end of the game. And even though they were working as hard as they possibly could, I mean, there's clips of Kenny Clark, I think in the NFC Championship game, just, you know, yelling, like, we have to do something. But it's like somebody's got to get after these guys, but they're just so exhausted. So mm-hmm. if the Packers are able to use this new, well, I guess second year, not necessarily new, but if they're able to really turn their attention to this um, outside zone running scheme that Matt LaFleur has dreamed up, then yeah, I mean, I think that the potential to sustain drives really will help that defense benefit, especially, you know, AJ Dillon and Josiah DeGuara, you look at the players that they added, everything is about this run game. So will this, emphasis on the run offense, open up the passing offense, of course, you know, all of these things will work together to hopefully, if all goes according to plan, make your franchise more successful because it is those little things that maybe don't appear to the naked eye that, oh, the defense isn't as exhausted because they're playing 35 minutes instead of 47 minutes in a championship game getting run over without being able to get off the field. And I think that substituting element is really big too. You know, if these guys have time to catch their breath, you're okay to stay on the defense for an entire drive rather than trying to switch out, getting 12 man penalties, just all those little things work cohesively. So I really liked that question. I thought that that was a really interesting way to approach everything. Next question, really straightforward. Do you think Jordan Love will be quarterback two or quarterback three? I've been thinking about this a lot, especially since our last second to last episode that we did on the 90 man roster. And I just don't think that the Packers spent a first round pick on a guy who's going to be quarterback three. You just think that Jordan Love should and will be QB two. Um, it would be off is the word that I think of if I if I saw the Jeff depth chart and saw that Tim Boyle was ahead of Jordan Love. I know that he has kind of like that knowledge of the offense over Jordan Love, but like you don't take a first round trade up in the first round for someone who's going to be your third string quarterback. Yeah. And I, I think this is super interesting because I, while I agree with you that it would be really weird to invest so heavily into a quarterback, you're still not, you're not hoping that he plays for at least two or three seasons. So if he has to sit and learn especially in what is the weirdest off season of all time. Um, you know, maybe not being able to get those live reps and the live sit downs to learn the playbook. Tim Boyle is like premium insurance, right? Like you either keep him as quarterback three on the depth chart in case something happens and you don't feel that Jordan love is ready, or he proves that he deserves the QB two spot because Jordan love is just so new that maybe he's not ready to fill that void. So it's hard for me to picture Tim Boyle not being on the roster, I guess, the 53, just because, you know, I'm not sure if he'd be two or three on the depth chart, but I think that the value he brings, even just working on the scout team with Jordan Love while Aaron Rodgers is taking, obviously, QB1 snaps, 
that element to me, I think is what'll be most important is just, you know, Jordan Love and his acclimation to the offense being unable to do a lot of that in-person work. Yeah. I don't see Tim Boyle going anywhere for yeah. sure. I think he's, he's, he's going to be at least there in camp and throughout and the Packers historically keep three around three quarterbacks on their roster anyway. Um, but I think if they're very serious, which they seem to be very serious about Jordan Love being that heir apparent, then you'd imagine he'd be QB2 learning and soaking up everything he can from Aaron Rodgers while he can, um, and potentially in games where we've just blown out our opponents and <laughs> he gets to go in in the fourth quarter, you know, situations like that, it's going to be him. But, you know, this is the time where I kind of, appreciate preseason because you get to see a little bit where the staff thinks of players in the depth chart and we'd get to see a little bit of Jordan Love we'd get to see a little bit of Tim Boyle because you know Aaron usually plays like a series in the preseason and that's it so if we do have a preseason I'd be very curious to see do they put Jordan Love in first do they put Boyle in first how how many snaps do they get and what do they look like yeah, I cannot wait for the preseason to see that kind of division of snaps between Love and Tim Boyle. And then they have the third quarterback behind Rodgers, who's, you know, maybe would be a practice squad guy. Just, I don't see the Packers keeping four quarterbacks on their active roster and practice squad. So maybe, maybe not. But yeah, if I would expect Jordan Love to get like 75% of snaps in the preseason, just because the Packers will really want to see what they have out of him. You know, it's, it's going to be the talk of the preseason, regardless whether he looks really good or he is, he looks like a rookie. That's a developmental pick trying to develop in the NFL. It's, it's going to be so fascinating to see kind of where he's at. A lot of the rookies just acclimating to a new offense in the NFL or defense uh, in a pandemic. Another question from Peter, who is, one of our friends and listeners across the pond. He says, in my imaginary world, due to COVID-19, the NFL dictates that the 2020 season will be played as seven-on-seven flag football. Does this help or hinder the Packers' chances? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like to imagine that we'd smoke them in flag football, but, you know, speed is definitely not our biggest strength, I'd say, on this team, for better or for worse. So in flag football, that's important because all you're going after is the flag. So I don't know. Maybe it would hurt us. Maybe NVS would finally be the breakout star because he's fast as hell. Um, (laughs) It's only seven on seven, too, so you got to pick and choose who's on the field. I love flag football. I I do, too. I love playing flag football. If the Packers want to call uh, me and Perry to come coach up the Packers for seven on seven. When I, when I lived in Washington, DC, I played on a intramural flag football team. What position were you? Running back. Were you? Yeah. I was always the quarterback. So this is a dream team. I don't really. Okay. For someone who loves football as much as I do, I have a very bad spiral. Really? Yeah. So. I have the most beautiful lefty spiral on the planet. Of course you do. <laughs> In sixth grade, my gym teacher said, hey, lefty spiral. And it has obviously stuck with me since that day because I'm still talking about it as a 26-year-old yep. adult. <laughs> no, I'm definitely a runner. <laughs> definitely a runner. Well, that's fine. I don't like to run. 
would be the <laughs> peak passing quarterback. So clearly, football. we are two perfect, versatile chess pieces for this <laughs> football team. But I need like AJ Dillon blocking for me because I'm 5'3, and that's just not like. Yeah, my size is definitely a deterrent, I'd say. <laughs> Five foot two, barely. What if Kevin King was covering you? He'd just imagine him. that. <laughs> oh, he would. He's got a whole foot on me. That <laughs> you're comfortable enough with yourself to be like, yeah, he would, he would win. <laughs> if you said you would win, I was going to be like, I'm impressed. I need to carry that energy. No way. That would that'd be a serious flex if I thought I could beat Kevin King one-on-one. <laughs> <laughs> you should tweet him and see if he'll come meet up with you to put a video together. I'd do that. all right peter i definitely think that seven on seven flag football would be very interesting i think that it might give the packers defense a little bit uh more (laughs) to you know to get after the quarterback isn't there like a five second rule where you have to i guess it depends what kind of flag football you're playing but yeah if you give z and kenny the opportunity to get after somebody i feel like it's harder to run seven on seven than 11 on 11 so Maybe that's maybe that's what the Packers need in 2020 is flags on the belt. <laughs> um, question from Jared. How do you think the new wide receivers coach will help our wide receivers grow? You know, I don't know much about the new guy. I do appreciate how much the Packers promote from within. Um, I think it's it's great to bring in new new guys, new eyes, new thoughts. But at the same time, we've been trying to get cohesion within the wide receiver group for so long that I like that he's internal. He's been around, you know, he's seen the growth um, and hopefully he can bring, you know, bring the whole group uh, to the next level. That's kind of how, what I think about it. Yeah. I really liked Elvis Witted you know, last season. And I think that it's kind of cool that he stuck around in Wisconsin and now he's the wide receivers coach for the Badgers. Um, I think that we maybe got a little bit of an unfair assessment given the roster depth that he was working with for a lot of 2019, but you know, maybe on the flip side of that coin, he, it could be said that he didn't get the most out of the guys in the room, you know? So there, it's really interesting to think about that. And then I know that Matt LaFleur is really excited about um, Luke Getze being promoted yeah, um, and then Jason Brabel kind of shifting into a new role. I think, especially with Luke Getze's familiarity with Aaron Rodgers, to have, you know, another voice in the room. And like you said, guys that have been there a while, they know the offense, they know Aaron Rodgers, they know the receivers. <clears throat> I think you can only like, you know, you can only like the direction it's heading with Luke getting his promotion and then Jason sliding into that wide receiver role. Or coach, not, you know. Last question, which I thought this was fun. Perry, I don't know if you liked it as much, but if we pretend life is a game of Madden for a second and you could boost one player's stats on the team, who would you choose and what category would you choose? So I had a tough time with this one, but I ultimately decided it would be Kevin King and I would boost his play recognition and I hope he never hears this because I am really a big fan of his and I don't mean to be like negative towards him but I think sometimes he gets burned on plays that he should have 
recognized. It's not by you. Previously. No, just not by me, obviously. <laughs> but I think, like, I love, and I've been outspoken about this before, like, I love him and Jair as a tandem. And I think they're fantastic together as a team um, and very complementary skill-wise. And then, so I think if if Kevin can do a little bit more of that, um, you know, this season, then maybe we would think about extending him. Um, I'm actually on board with keeping him, uh, giving him a new contract. It's probably a little bit of a minority take there, but um, gets a little bit better at play recognition, a little less leaving him on an island alone to get burned. But, I mean, five interceptions, man, keep it going. Yeah, I feel like I always accidentally bring up Jamon Williams when we're together, and I don't mean to always make you sad, but I think that, you know, Kevin King has a huge opportunity this year with Jair, you know, the two of them are kind of your really only known commodities at this point without Jermon. So depending on guys like Shannon Sullivan, if they can take a leap, I think that also will kind of dictate what happens with Kevin King. And if Kevin King plays lights out, then he deserves a second contract regardless of what happens with the rest of the room. And if you can keep a young, solid tandem together long-term, you want to do that. The Packers just got done drafting corners seemingly every year. So it'd be nice if they stop having to do that uh, with King and Jair. But yeah, I like the direction that you took that. I went in a different direction. So I'm sorry if this is me throwing you under the bus, but I wanted to take something that was already great and make it um, <laughs> exponentially great. So I'm I'm picking Zadarius Smith and I'm giving him greater hit power because I just want to see him hit people with even more gusto. That's scary. That's yeah. a scary thought. <laughs> that man is, I wouldn't want him running at me. I mean, I would, I would say, Hey, <laughs> listen to my poem. Finally. <laughs> okay. As a quarterback, I'd be like curse word. Darius <laughs> Smith is on his way to pin me to the ground. Oh my God, just tuck and roll. I'll just get <laughs> like, out. Let there. me just get down now because I don't want to be. I don't want to be hit by that. Stop, drop, and roll would be a great <laughs> sack celebration. <laughs> like if you tackle someone, you're putting out a fire. So <laughs> stop, drop. <laughs> I like it. Should we submit it to him? He's always asking for ideas. Oh my God, can you imagine? And then when I'm done, I can just yell, listen to my poem. Okay. One day, Maggie, one day we will get him to listen to your poem. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm Yeah, I'm keeping the faith. Um, <laughs> a couple other questions, I guess, that we can include while we wrap things up. Jacob Westendorf asks, if you could permanently add one male to the show, who would it be and why is it me? To which Dusty Evely responded aggressively. So, Perry, let's talk about Dusty and Jacob because we love them both very much. We do. I mean, Jacob, you're welcome to come on the show whenever you want. We appreciate you and your support. We, of course, would love to have you. Dusty as well. I mean, I'm leaning on Dusty a lot recently for some some advice on how to learn Scheme a little bit better because he's so fantastic at it. So I appreciate Dusty and all of his knowledge and wisdom when it comes to the sport. I bought a book that he recommended, <laughs> so I'm going to learn, you guys. You're going to hear it. It's going to be exciting. I'm watching the 2011 season while I read this book so I can apply what I'm reading. It's very exciting. But Dusty and Jacob, you're always welcome. Yeah, I want to second that. I got to meet Jacob and Dusty actually at Corey Benke's house um, during different games of the 2019 season. And 
They're both such incredible people. If you don't follow them already, it's Dusty Evely and Jacob Westendorf. Um, we would love to have both of them or maybe separately if they won't be able to get along <laughs> on the show to talk with us. Um, Jacob knows that I would die for Blakey. I would die for a lot of people, apparently, on Pack a Day. We've talked about this a lot. But his daughter is somebody I'm so excited to meet someday. And Dusty, you have the cutest kids in the world also. Um, thanks for being my friend on Facebook because I get to see them all the time. Um, I guess this, this is also fun to talk about Joey, the Jaguar. What advice would you give to bears fans on how to get their life together? Perry, go. Don't get your life together. I like beating you. (laughs) Seriously. I don't want the bears to get their life together. I enjoy beating them. Um, no, seriously, get a better quarterback. Like that's my only advice. It just, Mitch is not it. We've known it. It's not it. I don't think it's Nick Bowles either, (laughs) to be honest. My advice would be don't suck, but it's kind of a, you're saying, like, the Bears still suck. So, right. They always will. Yeah. Thanks, Joey. That was a lot of fun. I really liked that that question stuck in there. It made me really happy when I read it. And I was like, mm, I don't really have advice. It's just kind of something you have to figure out on your own. <laughs> read, I'm not Chicago, giving you more secrets. Read a self-help book, Chicago. Damn. How to not suck for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> You should patent that. <laughs> oh, boy. I think that's all the time we have, right? I mean, I, we had <laughs> I one think more question. we're done. Yeah, I mean, we had one more question. Is Tom Crabtree the best Tom in NFL history? Yes, because it's not Tom Brady. I, <laughs> there you go. That's all you got from us. Um, Perry, if the people want to follow you on social media, tell them how they can do that. Um, you can follow me at Goldstein Perry on Twitter. You can also follow the podcast at PWSS Podcasts on Twitter. Please do to get all the updates on the podcast. If you have not listened yet, last week we interviewed Melissa Jacobs from The Football Girl. She is so fantastic. Please go listen. It was really a great conversation. As Nagler's very happy. It was completely unedited. Just really, really awesome to get her on here and talk Packers and 49ers. So you can go find that too. Perry stole the thunder because I was also going to talk about Melissa Jacobs, but I guess talking about her more than once is never a bad thing because she is one of the best in the business at what she does. And she is a role model in the industry for women in sports. So thank you to her once again for being on the show. That was episode 14. If you'd like to give that a listen, you can find my work on social media at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV, and I also podcast with the Pack-A-Day podcast crew. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down. He's inside the 10, and he is in for the touchdown. The title is back in town. The Green Bay Packers are...